0: From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to Bluenile.com. That's Bluenile.com. Welcome back to part two of Brighton Rock with me, Peter Marsh. Russ still and still with Tony and Kirsty talking about they going to talk about the Brighton Chelsea game on uh, or Chelsea Brighton game on Tuesday next. Any particular thoughts on the results then, Russ? What's your, your poll results then?
2: Yeah, okay, let, let's reveal it, shall and we? Give my phone wait should... any
0: longer for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go then. So that so the simple poll is it going to be a home win, angry face, creditable draw, applause emoji or a stunning win for Albion, sunglasses emoji. And the results, rather interestingly, are 29% thought a home win, 32% thought a creditable draw, and despite so many going in that direction, there was still a 39% thinking that we're going to win the game. I'm I'm genuinely stunned by... The, the notion that we're going to get a stunning win. <laughs> I have a theory for
0: that, though. This is the week the pub's reopened. There are a lot of really pissed people who have pressed the wrong button or have like, got it in their head that we might win.
2: Or they're just full of of, of completely distorted optimism. Yeah, I think I think it's probably one... It's the rose
0: coloured glasses that have told them uh, that they are.
2: Uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I thought. I have to say, I thought that was going to be about eighty percent home win. I have to say, and and that's my own opinion on it. I think they'll probably yeah. do it. to us yeah. really? But um,
0: I think the interesting um, point about the game is what sort of team we play. Whether we make a few changes based on the fact we got Sheffield United away at the weekend afterwards, which is so much more winnable, and you don't want to kind of risk, you know, going to Chelsea putting on a really good show like at Man U and losing, and then. Having a team knackered for Sheffield United
2: at the weekend, true. But also, that there's the fact that Chelsea will have been maybe tired out a bit by having had quite an intense program of games, including um, obviously the, having to face Man City, um, the worst possible option for their cup semi. Yeah, we know about that. Which is, that. of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so um, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll come on to some predictions anyway for the game a little bit later on. But just um, steering the conversation back then. So we, we've been talking about your your backgrounds supporting the clubs. We talked about seagulls over London. We talked about um, changes in the game uh, as a whole. Um, what about changes we think should happen? What, what um to Kirsty and um, to Tony? What are your biggest issues um, with? football as it currently stands and what are the things you would like to see changed andor um, and or improved
3: okay well, po- so, so you've, it. Opened it. <laughs> you've opened it up for the uh var haven't you
2: yeah this is going to be a seven hour podcast now <laughs> yeah mm.
3: <laughs> yes From i thought the, var uh,
2: might feature yeah mm. yeah i mean
3: it it's 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 definitely sparked the 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 enjoyment of, of you know celebrating is it a goal is it not a goal you, you know even the players don't even know these that sort of these days and the should we say i think it was it we, somewhere else we came up the concept of them um, should we say it's it's discussed as a tool being um oh i think it was um on the um, oh yeah i
2: think I was. That was me on the on on post match chat. Saying yes, it's, it's a tool yes, Being say, administered it, by tools, yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> um,
2: Which is un, unfortunate. Yeah. If it was a tool yeah. being administered by people that know what they're doing, it'd be great. But um, yeah, I can't say I'm impressed. Um,
3: yeah, and it, it's the it's the particle ways that they keep they 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 keep sort of sort of changing. Well, you know, you know, is no it you know is it clear and obvious? You know, oh no, and then. Then they say, well, no, it's not that. It's you know, it's it's a matter of fact, you know, he was offside, no, he wasn't offside.
2: Yeah, the whole you know, thing about the lines.
3: When you know, and, when and when can you know when when can can VAR sort of turn around and say, Well, oh, I think you should have a look at this because you know, we think you're wrong. And there's no consistency as to when they actually go and say, you know, go and have a look at it, or it's yeah you know, it seems to be whoever's you know there i mean mr coop i think is one who you know sort of you yeah. know you know doesn't want to seem to challenge or question the actual referee on the on on the field, on the field at the time so yeah there's certain referees where it's, well you know you know it's it's mm-hmm. then oh they can't be they can't be wrong it, it it must be me i'm i'm misinterpreting you know i i it can't be clear and obvious
2: yeah the level of involvement is variable isn't it and they seem to be quite changeable throughout the season with yeah. the interpretations mm-hmm. that they're adopting for the rules in general but also in terms of how far interacts with that
0: they basically make them up as they go along and I, mean, I, I, I yeah. was a fan I thought when it first came in I thought VAR could it could it's worked well in Holland it's worked well in Germany I thought it was a really good thing and because I thought it would even it up, but actually it's made it even more big six centric. As you see with the uh, the penalty that we yeah. didn't get at Manu, for example, which would have definitely yeah. been given to the other end. There's absolutely no question. Yeah, of my, if that had been and my Man United
2: mates have, uh, have been kind of uh, have been looking. Yeah, my well, Man United mates have been quite sheepish about that again. You know, they go, "No way, was that not a penalty?" One
0: I've got that he said it was a clear penalty as well. He was surprised that VAR didn't hmm. overturn it. I, I mean, I, I yeah. In terms of offside, my personal view is we should go back to clear daylight between the two players. If if you're going to use VAR and use those tight lines, then go back to the whole clear daylight between them, and then you can kind of measure it to the infinite like inch or whatever like they do, or in or millimeter or something. But if you're doing it so someone's like someone's finger is slightly too, like heading out slightly like ahead of someone else's like leg or whatever, it just seems ridiculous. Or someone's you know toe is just offside.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. With the dis- where did this t-shirt rule come into it? And you know hmm. what, what 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 happens is that you know if they've got this you know this long sleeve sort of, sort of, you know under undergarment, not part actual part of the shirt, you know, and it's it's the same colour. So you know, where 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 does the shirt sleeve?
1: Yeah, end? I, I think the thing, um, as um, Pete mentioned, um, when we we as a few people know we we tend to watch a fair amount of football, especially now that you know you can't go anywhere, and you, so we watch it on telly. Um, Pete mentioned about VAR in Holland and in Germany, and when we watched um, Bundesliga games and Eredivisie games, etc., VAR still tends to work pretty well, um, and it's far more noticeable that um, the referee is asked to go and look at the monitor. To make up his own mind. Um, VAR tend to say, um, well, we think you're, it it may even be, well, we think you're right, but just in case you think you, you, this is a different angle from that we've seen. Um, Do you want to have a look at this? And then if you, obviously, if you want to stay with your decision, that's fine. Um, That's not quite how I interpret VAR over here to be. Yeah, Um, exactly. And, Um, The Dutch system of offside using VAR is that if um, when they draw the lines, if the lines at any point touch, then the player is onside. Um, They don't sort of um, look at shirt sleeves or whatever it is. it is basically if the lines touch, he's on side. Um, There's none of this ambiguity about, well, well, you know, he's a millimeter off or whatever. Um, So when you see games that um, are in Germany and Holland, I think probably because of the people interpreting it, um, as Russell quite rightly says, I think they, they get that pretty much well done. Um, I, I think it's our lot that are making the problems. And if, you can cast your mind back. I do believe that when VAR came into effect um, over here, at one point we had a different ruling for, was it the handball law um, hmm. that it, that UEFA or FIFA had one interpretation and the FA or the Premier League, uh, Premier League, it wouldn't be the FA because, you know, it's not used in the Football League type thing, but the Premier League had a different interpretation. You think, well, where did that come from? Um, You know, I thought VAR was supposed to be, well, this is what we're going to use it for. This is what the decision-making will revolve around. Um, And we seem to have always had slightly different rules with our VAR system, which has confused me.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. And I I think the, the key point is, the reason I thought VAR was brought in is, as you said earlier, the clear and obvious errors, and you know, we, people weren't complaining about offsides that were two millimetres offside. There wasn't an analysis of match the day for offsides that were two millimetres offside. It was the ones where a guy was three yards offside and somehow the line were missed it or whatever. That was the issue. And so, yeah, I, I think the simple way around that is to bring back, you know, kind of clear daylight between them. And that would be a kind of... It's interesting you say the, whole, the Dutch rule seems to be different from VAR as well because it, you'd have thought it'd be the same universally, but obviously not then.
1: It, it wouldn't appear to be. Um... But it was just something that um, was said on one of the analysis programs. It might have been Sky Sports football program um, uh, on the Monday morning when they analyzed the games. Uh, and one of the people said, well, actually, in Holland, this is how they interpret it. And I think that's probably a more um, f- friendly way of looking at it, a less controversial way of looking at it, because As Kirsty says, and as even when we were in the ground, this is the major problem, is that if you're in the ground, it's not shown on the big screen, or if it comes up on the big screen, it's quite often a mistake that they put it up on the big screen. (laughs) Um, And you think, well, hang on a second, we're the fans, we've paid to come in, if a decision is being overturned, can you tell us why it's being overturned and not just come up with, no goal, or offside, or handball, or no penalty. Can you tell us why it, it, it's been disallowed, or etc. etc.? Um, I think the the major issue, as Kirsty quite rightly says, it's spoiling the game for the fan. Um, you can't um, you can't be certain that you've scored until mm-hmm. you know somewhere along the line you're just you're just waiting and waiting and waiting until the word VAR check comes up and you think, oh, no. Or perhaps you you might actually think, oh, we got a chance this might be disallowed, uh, depending on, obviously, which way the, the actual decision might go. Um, but it is spoiling it. Yeah, it's, it's taking out the spontaneity of enjoyment of a
2: goal being scored or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think that's been the universally held view, isn't it? Most, most well, pretty much all fans I've spoken to to some degree, would say that's the case, definitely, and usually to a very large degree. And, um, not, and it's I, not I,
0: I, I, the errors either; it's not even improving the situation. So it's like well, it's it's a double edged yeah, sword, making exactly. things worse, but also not improving the thing that's supposed to improve.
2: Yeah, I, I just wanted to see wild injustices, injustices eradicated. That's that's what I thought would be the purpose of VAR. That's why I was in favour of it. I think I'm right in saying, Peter, the same for you. And I think we there's had not a lot of
0: bad decisions against us the previous season, I think of the the, the, the final yeah, Burnley the penalty we had a run of really bad decisions against yeah. us. And I was I yeah it was the
2: Burnley penalty uh, incident there was cardiff offside wasn't there yeah. there was all sorts um but i I think for me it's it's a case of um they're they're bickering over small details, and that's never good because that's completely distorting the essence of the game and either way round even even if you did apply it properly there's going to be a certain level of that thing that you've just mentioned there, Tony, the, you know, the spontaneity, that, that raw emotion of that unique moment in in a game, which is more unique to football than tries are in rugby or wickets in cricket. It happens less often. So it's even more of a pronounced moment and that's being taken away. It's always going to be taken away to some degree if you have VAR, but I think it's being taken away more than it needed to be. And with no good effects coming from it, because as you said, Peter, um, decisions are being made uh, as poorly as ever. It's just on a more elongated process now.
0: I think we talked about it a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. You're saying, you know, it's, in a sense, it's, you know, the man you, there's a man new one that we were saying may have not been overturned either way. But that, in a sense, leaves the same randomness either way mm. about whether it be a penalty or not. So you're still leaving it randomly with someone on the pitch if it wouldn't have been overturned if it had been given. So you're no better off than you were before, but then you're losing something in other areas. So... Yeah, I mean, to me, it's either a penalty or it's not a penalty. If it's a penalty, you should give the penalty, even if the referee hasn't given it. If it isn't, then vice versa.
2: If it's in (laughs) doubt or it's definitely not, then you leave it.
1: Yeah, I I think there's there's um, a lot to be said that um, what's the most controversial issue of of VAR? Um, Let's face it, as all fans, we've been to games, uh, and this is before VAR came in where you know something happened and of course you you get your own perspective on it from whichever part of the ground you're in um and then you quite often wait for match of the day in the evening um and you look at it again and you think oh actually yeah maybe maybe it it didn't happen as i saw it sort of thing and as a football fan sometimes you actually um take the rough with the smooth you think actually you know maybe that was actually a good decision. I thought it was offside, but, it, you know, it was a, it was cl- too close to call, if you see what I mean. Um, same with penalties. Um, you sort of think, well, actually, I, I think that was a penalty and match of the day will say, well, you know, one pundit will say yes, one pundit will say no. VAR has almost come in and even to a certain extent spoiled that sort of thing um, because they're coming up with all these... Um, Lines being drawn. Um, Penalties are are still um, down to either the man on the field uh, or the men on the field. Oh, sorry, Sean, and obviously, lady on the field. Um, But it's also down to whoever happens to be in the VAR booth. And, you know, you just leave, as Pete says, you just leave it to the man on the field. If he said no penalty, you think. OK, I disagree with that, but he's he's the referee or whatever. It's the offside bits that are getting me now. Um, when we used to go to the, to the games live, if you saw it back and you, you thought, oh, actually, he might have been offside, you, you almost sort of you, you moaned about it, but you got on with it. Um, now it, it's just... The, the way they draw the lines is just the slightest offside yeah. or the slightest onside, and that does no good for anyone because, you know, as Pete quite rightly says, in the old days when it was clear, clear daylight or whatever it was between it, you, you knew where you stood. Nowadays, you don't know where you stand. You see the, the, this freeze-frame image of the incident and you think, oh, he's offside. And then they draw the lines, and suddenly there's this line that's come from, you know, as Kirsty says, the, the shirt sleeve or the, the, you know, whatever it might be. And you think, hang on a sec. You know, that is not, you know, it's yeah. just too I mean, close like, to call. That's the
0: Banford one was the most ridiculous one, wasn't it? Mm.
2: Oh, that, that, was, that was just ludicrous. I mean,
0: also, it's so often they've already kicked the ball, so the ball's already gone from the foot. when They don't mm. have the still when mm. actually the player literally kicks yeah. the ball.
2: Mm. And, and, kick and you know, the... Late. The other issue for me is Dermot Gallagher this week on on RefWatch was talking about this this bizarre scenario where um, I think it was the Fulham was it the Fulham game where the, there was the offside issue with the Wolves goal was it I think oh, yeah, something Wolves goal yeah and they and they they, they said oh, my phone's going off right um, <laughs> where they said um you know if Dermot Gallagher. We and then, yeah, it's, it's him complaining. I want to have a worse one. Um, and, and, and he said um, they couldn't get an angle where you could see, you could draw the lines through or something like that. And you think it's never happened before. It's a unique situation. Um, and he then went on to say, well, looking at it, with the freeze frame, without the line, you think it's on side. And then when you, you try and get the lines or whatever, you, you, can, you can see it's actually off or, or it's, it's indistinct." contestable and you think well if it's that close that is the definition of not clear and obvious I know offside is more of an exact thing that's what they're trying to do but the reality is if it's that close benefit of the doubt to the attacker mm-hmm. surely um, when I look at games yeah, I mean how the many times have you looked way. at them yeah I mean how many times have you looked at a game where you thought someone was definitely on or offside usually you thought they were definitely offside whether it's our, our guy or the opposition and you've looked back and actually it's not because it's it's a trick of the eye, isn't it? It's, it's a timing. It's when you were looking, where you were looking. And often when people time their runs perfectly or their movements perfectly and are onside but, but appear to be offside, you won't be able to pick that up with the naked eye. And I think on that basis, you, as you said, Tony, you kind of accept that as part of the... The game you think oh it's not quite as i saw it and you, you go with the flow you accept that because the fact that you weren't able to be sure or you've been proved completely wrong with something you felt quite adamant about two or three beers to the good in the stadium or whatever um you know and then you found out it's wrong i think you you're aware of that as a football fan and and you therefore you give allowance to that in terms of the officiating but when it's coming down to um, scrutinizing and changing decisions on tiny—it's not the essence. It's not the heart of the game at all, is it?
0: Especially in such um, a big game as well. If Fulham had won that game, I mean, they'd be you know, mm-hmm. right, right up behind us and Newcastle and that sort of thing. And kind of, it was a huge game. And you know, in the end, VAR got away with it because Wolves won.
2: Yeah.
0: But you know, Fulham could easily. second well, we, half.
2: We've, we've dominated a bit of chat with VAR. Obviously, that was inevitable. That was going to come up. In terms of, um, a bit, well, first of all, I mean, Peter and I were in favour of it, but are, are now very dubious about its usage. Were you actually in favour of it coming in in the first place um, before you know what, what's gone since? You know, I mean, maybe your views have changed, but were you in favour of it initially, Tony and Kirsty?
1: I think um, I was um, cautiously in favor of it, if it cleared up the clear and obvious error. Um, mm. In other words, um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, uh, as much as we castigate them, um, the referee and his assistants do have a tough job because they see things just like that. Um, they have mm. to make a almost a split second decision. Um, and you can forgive them if if they've made a clear and obvious error and VAR pick it up and say, actually, this is what happened. You may not have had the best angle, and that's fine. You put your hands up and you say, "Yep, yeah, VAR cleared that up." Excellent, well done, VAR. Whatever. Um, it's just now the um, the m- minutia of it, with as you say, offsides and that sort of thing. And it, it's I'm no I'm no longer in favour. Per se, because I think it's spoiling the game. I really yeah. do so, so
2: the enjoyment of, of for... the
1: game. Sorry, yeah, yeah.
2: Based yeah. on the application of it, you're not. Yeah, and Kirsty, you has your were you in favour of it? Has your view changed, or were you against um, it anyway?
3: I mean, the the principle of it being introduced, yeah, I could could see you know it, yeah why why it, why it was going to be introduced, and mm. it, you know, in theory, it it sh- it should have been. A good idea but it's just the way that it's being implemented over here and it seems to to, to change from game to game not even week to week
2: and we do tend to screw that up don't we? We, we we tend to do a we, we think we're better than everyone else, and we we come up with our own version of it, thinking we're going to be better. And it's never, <laughs> invariably it's worse than an existing form form of the same thing, isn't it? Very if I if I
1: could actually just return slightly to your question uh, of what would you like to see improved in the game,
2: mm, um, yeah.
1: I would say um, have some sort of um, information being passed that you can hear what is the referee actually asking um, VAR to, to do, a rugby, you know, the, the referee says, look, I'm looking at a possible, you know, knock-on or whatever. Um, listening to what the referee is actually asking VAR to look at, or conversely, what VAR are telling the referee that they have noticed. And actually, um, because if you can understand why you're standing around, uh, uh, you know, or waiting for, you know, what are they looking at? Um, the annoying thing is the people at home who are watching the game, maybe live on television whilst you're at the game, they can pretty much see what's being done and the reason behind it, because the commentators are, t- are telling them why. Whereas in the ground, you you don't have any clue at all. You you just get the purple screen up saying VAR check or whatever. Mm. And, com- and t- uh, to add to that, I would like to see, um, to a certain extent, we wouldn't see it in the ground probably, but what is the VAR official actually looking at? Why isn't there a camera actually at Stockley Park to, um, let's say at the end of the season, um, some of these programmes, Sky Sports, BBC, whatever, they're very good at making documentaries. I'd love to see a documentary on a season of VAR and actually have a camera in Stockley Park, listening to how they're uh, asked to view matches, listening to what debate they have when they're talking to each other, because it's not just one VAR official normally watching the game. There's more than one, which I didn't realise initially. It says, let's say, David Coote is the VAR official – He's not on his own quite often. There's quite often another person in and an observer as well. And um, Dermot Gallagher has hinted at times that he's been at Stockley Park that previous weekend and has um, watched what decision-making was being made. I think he's been um, cautioned about what he says um, to um, Sky Sports, but um, I just love to see... Uh, something, let's see it from the VAR official's point of view, not just what he's looking at on the screen, but his conversations with the referee or whatever.
2: I think that's a really good idea. I doubt they'll go for it because they want no, to oh keep no, the confidentiality. Not, no. but, but what would you call it? Would it be um, VAR till I die or VAR or nothing? <laughs> <laughs> something about uh, I,
1: I I think what the, the problem that they're going to have is that, um, as Dermot Gallagher al- alluded to, Um, there are going to be incidents that um, for whatever reason they didn't take into account might happen when they brought in VAR. And this, I'd never heard the line one before. uh, And, uh, you know, with the West Brom disallowed goal, um, Mm. you know, from, from the, and Dermot Gallagher used the the term, well, they didn't have the, the angle to draw the line where it could go through a player, et cetera, et cetera. But every VAR Mm. offside decision that I've seen, they've had angles to draw lines. How come that one incident, they didn't have the angle? And I've noticed that PGMOL, the games um, officials, um, have started coming out explaining why they made certain decisions. And I think that's because they are now getting quite a lot of Feedback, and I'll use the word um, as best as I could, um, to say that people are getting quite annoyed with what they're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of which, Lee Mason was um, refereeing our game on Sunday. Uh, (laughs) He he could have been. He dropped down the ranks a little bit after that West Brom incident Mm. uh, the other week. No, but I mean, your your points are um, are very good. I I think that's that's something I'd like to see change. I'd also like to see... um, the eradication of um, Everton fan TV on Monday <laughs> night football—that'd be that'd be quite good as well. <laughs> um, I thought the media coverage was excellent, wasn't it, of Everton um, on on Monday? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if following there's...
3: on from his coverage of being West Brom,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really tragic. I mean, the last few games, Man United, various other games—it's been ridiculous, hasn't it? Um, and and yeah, anyway, be, we could actually, go on, go on for To be honest. No, I doubt I doubt it. Well, let's move the subject on because, I mean, there's plenty more we could talk about on that subject. But we want to get on to a few other things quickly. Um, so a quick word about one item of news. I'm not going to go on about much of this week's football news. Um, well, actually, two items. Um, concussion substitutes, temporary concussion substitutes has been a a, a thing that's been debated this week. Um Talking about whether they should allow a longer period with a temporary substitute so the person who's been concussed or potentially concussed can be assessed by an independent um, medical advisor, doctor, whatever, uh, behind the scenes with a no pressure, a temporal pressure um, applied to the situation so that that player can get the proper assessment and only be returned to the pitch if they are genuinely OK to do so. Because since that nasty incident with Raul Jimenez, we've had incidents such as, I can't remember what it was now, there's um, there's one or two games where players have been down injured and they've been allowed to carry on and then subsequently had to come off. The same problem we've had before. That's one matter for, for issue. I don't know if you've got any points on that. And the other one was on uh, UEFA's powder puffery, the latest one being the minimum sentence for acknowledged uh, racist abuse by a player to another player of ten game ban. The ban applied is for ten games, one of which has already been served. A um, uh, pathetic. They are always pathetic. And that guy Sorovin or Sorinin or whatever his name is. That that's um, complete disgrace of a guy who's on Sefering. the FIFA. Yeah, yeah, Saffarin. On the well, no, I'm thinking of the guy on the, the FIFA guy, uh, Russian. Um, yeah, I think isn't it's Saffarin. Sore- I think it's a different guy, Sorovin, oh, Seferin like, sorry. and Sorovin. They're, they're both. Um, no. <laughs> um, he's making excuses, saying it's the right, it's the correct decision to give a 10-game ban. No, it isn't. It should be a minimum of a season. These people need to be told that they're not going to get away with it. If the bans are less than the bans for wearing commercialised pants, it is simply wrong, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> any, any views on those, those items, that and the concussion subs um
1: concussion subs um yeah i mean to be fair um the incident with david louise and raul himeneth although totally accidental um did um highlight the issues of um allowing players to to play on and let's face it players want to play on of course they do um they i think given also the um the more information we get about um, the sad uh, cases, Jeff Astle being um, probably the the one of the original ones mm. um, about dementia, et cetera, et cetera, um, you have to be very, very careful. Um, it's sad that it's taken sort of incidents like Raúl Jimenez uh, and the deaths of Jeff Astle, uh, et cetera, mm. um, that it's brought it more into... Um, the public uh, eye, if you like. Um, So initially, yes, I would say I I fully agree with um, concussion substitutes. Um, I think that it's highly dangerous to take the word of a player that he's okay. Um, A doctor, an independent doctor, if you like, um, should definitely be able to assess him. If that takes some time, fine, um, put on another player to... um, to take their place. Um, it's um, it's something that you can't really mess around with. You've got to be very, very careful these days. Um, there might come an incident. Um, I know it's a, um, a totally different incident, but someone may get a, a head injury, go back on and collapse. Um, And then, you know, you've got a really, really serious situation. Um, So in essence, I I agree with the concussion substitution. My only and I'm don't get me wrong. um, My only thought would be um, that I hope it doesn't go down the way that the um, blood substitutions happened in rugby, whereby. Um, shall we say, a player um, was given um, a blood-like substance to basically put over them so that they could go off so that his team could yes. put on um, another player. I'm sure it wouldn't happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure it wouldn't happen because it's just too big um, a decision to be made. Um, and of course that they've changed the rules in rugby as well. Um, but in essence, yes, I, I think it should. I, the um, a concussion substitution should be allowed. Yeah,
2: hmm. it doesn't. See, it seems. It seems like a, a, such a clear-cut case. The PFA have been. I mean, they've done some good things through the years, uh, but really, with regard to this, it's been. It's been pretty woeful and Albion legend Maheta Malango might be coming in, subject to loads of animosity from xenophobes. Um, he, he looks like he might be coming into, and that, that that could change things around. He's younger. He's got a football background as well as a law background, a football administration background, lots of different elements he brings to the party, speaks several languages. That's going to be interesting if he does get the job Um Despite everybody not seeming to want him to, um, because he he might apply some new rules, it seems to me, utterly just beyond any debate. You you can't take risks with players. If there's any doubt at all, why why would you? But there we go. On the Slavia Prague player, I mean, they you know he's he's shown no remorse. They've been denying it. They're even saying, well, the the Czech team themselves have, have stated oh no actually it wasn't the Czech team it's the Czech FA I think stated I think today that the it's discrimination against non-black people to assume that he said something racist and to ban him for 10 games well wow. <laughs> that's like just saying oh white lives matter you know it's it's missing the point isn't it um, I, 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 but...
1: so, sorry Russ a big pardon uh, carry on mm?
2: yeah no 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 Go 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 ahead yeah I was um, just going to rant, rant on oh, definitely. Uh, right, so just go. please um, take it away from me. <laughs>
1: um, I would say that um, we didn't see all of the game um, we uh, because a bit like tonight, there's X number of games on at the same time. Um, but we did switch back to the very end of the Rangers-Slavia-Prague game. And when the incident happened, you could... It, it, it wasn't just one of these incidents where, you know, sort of, you know, a bit of banter, shall we say, the Rangers player was genuinely absolutely shocked and upset. Um, hmm. And a, a couple of other Rangers players obviously were, were nearby and claimed, and I'm sure they're correct, um, that they, they heard um, a racist comment made and, um, and I I just thought you can tell by the reaction of the player, um, yeah. somewhat similar. OK, I know that um, we're going back again, but the Jay Rodriguez-Gayton-Bong incident up at Burnley, um, Gayton mm-hmm. was absolutely livid um, with, with what was said. He didn't wait until half time or anything like that and have a word with the referee. He went to the referee immediately, Gayton no. did, and, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of said, you know, he he said, this, you know, sort of thing. Um, it's the reaction of the players, um, and I think Kudelia came out with a very strange statement today, where, whereby he he almost said words to the effect of, "If he was um, if he was offended, well, I'm sorry, but that's not quite that. That's not a way of getting out of it. Um, if you made a racist remark or." A, um, to the player, that's totally and utterly out of order. We've, I know, and I'm going to go back to my Chelsea supporting days back in the 70s, it would have been when Paul, Paul Cannaville became mm. um, one of the first black players to play for Chelsea. And, OK, at the time, um, you're, a, it's a, you're a lot younger. You're, um, it was different times if you like I know that's not an excuse looking back but it was different times the abuse he got from fellow Chelsea fans was was pretty horrendous looking back um and he had no one to go to um you know there were no such laws in those days about racist remarks or anything like that um we've moved on in leaps and bounds since then um you know I i I've, I've don't think I've, I've heard a racist comment made anywhere around me, either at the Amex or at Stamford Bridge for yonks now, absolutely, utterly ages. And if there is one, f- other fans will call them out, you know, and say, oi, that's out of order, um, or report them to a steward. Um, so we've moved on tremendously, but, and this is where I'm gonna bring in countries like Spain, um, in certain cases it doesn't seem to have moved on they still think that they can say these things and there'll be no repercussions no recriminations and as you quite rightly say russell um uefa fifa whoever it might be um they they're very um wishy-washy over it you know sort of oh well yes it's awful you know um I think, was it when England went to play in Spain and a number of the black England players were um, racially abused? Um, yeah. Weren't Spain given some like 7,000 euro fine or something? It was, it was petty. Um, and nothing really happened. And unless, as you quite rightly say, the likes of Cudelia is basically banned completely, it's yeah. not going to send a message to, to other players.
2: Yeah I mean those tiny fines it's almost worse because if you if you didn't give any fine at all there might be some debate about whether there was an element of doubt and it couldn't be proven if you've put 7,000 you've said yeah you're guilty of something and this is how low we value that guilty factor Um, it's encouraging them to do it and we're also in strange times everything's happening remotely there's there's not a lot of interaction in stadiums so the emphasis is now on social media, it's on Zoom, it's on TV viewing, and I think people are feeling very liberated to say what the hell they want to whoever they want um, all the time on social media. It's going on, it's a weekly occurrence, isn't it? It's not an exaggeration to say every single week this season, uh, without fail, where there's been a game on, and there's any incidents of any sort involved, um, centred around black players, there's racist abuse, and that's just the stuff we're hearing about there's probably more besides like Albion players apparently are getting abused and we're not hearing about that because the club are keep you under wraps, but you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's- I, I, th- I think the, the, the problem with social media is um, obviously the players want to be on social media um, mm. because they can, you know, send messages to the supporters, et cetera, et cetera. Although I do note, um, and this is what slightly surprised me, perhaps, you know, I'm a bit of an old fogey in this respect. But Phil Foden's (laughs) tweet um, to Kylian Mbappé last night, um, just after the um, City Borussia Dortmund game, where he said... This is Wednesday um, night, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, um, Are you you waiting or are you... Something like that. Are
2: are you ready?
1: Are you ready? Um, Supposedly, he never sent that. That was his media company... Um, or his media representatives who sent Hmm. that and you think well you know he's now admitted that you know he would never have sent that he's asked he's had it deleted etc but once it's on there it's out there that's it you know
3: but there's too much
1: too much of the the problem is as you quite rightly say these i think they used to call them keyboard warriors they're anonymous even though Twitter and everything should have their IP address and should be able to, you know, close them down sort of thing, which, of course, they don't because they can still target adverts at them and and all that sort of thing. Um, but um, there's a difference, as you quite rightly say, between um, criticizing a player because he's had a poor game um, and a racist comment against a player who may have had a poor game in in whoever's opinion it might be. And yeah. I've got no truck with criticising a player. I mean, let's face it, we all shout and whatever it is when, when we're in the ground and, um, you know, at the moment, shout at the TV when, um, you know, sort of anything happens. But there's a hell of a lot of a difference between, you know, Slating a player because he's had a poor game and some of the players will probably accept and hold their hands up and say, yeah, actually, I didn't have a good game. Um, But to use um racist comments is just totally and utterly out of order. And I think the likes of Twitter, Facebook, whoever it might be, should get their finger out and do the right thing. Shut these people yeah. down. I know they can get another account, but just shut them down straight away.
2: Yeah, they need to sign up with a new email address. Those email addresses could be accounted for. If if it has to be, then to have it where it's a traceable IP address, if it's an email account that isn't traceable, whatever, don't allow that to be a way of signing on to, to the accounts. They they are spineless, one and all, and they need to grow one, I think, and... Um, Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on, we, we, we could go on forever for this one. It's, it's one of my bugbears. So I, I, do think, I do think there's a number of things that need to be changed in the game and it, it, a lot of it centres around that. Um, on to a couple of other quick bits. Um, so steering things back to the Albion um, and the game with Chelsea, the big one coming up on Tuesday. Um, we'll get your opinions on the game and, and a few bits on, on Chelsea in a minute. But just first of all, just to bring it back to the, um, the Amex, whereabouts do you sit in the, in the ground, by the way? West End Lower. West End Lower. So you're, you're together. You're both in the West End Lower.
1: Correct. Yeah. And with P- Kirsty's dad as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- there's one bit we heard in the in- interval uh, off air where a bombshell, which I, didn't, I hadn't realised, that um, you do indeed, Tony, have a season ticket for both. But I've just discovered you're not the only one.
3: <laughs> yeah, I have a season <laughs> ticket for both as well.
2: <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> This is a shocking revelation, I have to say, Kirsty. You've you surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, kept that to yourself until now, or at least I haven't heard it anyway. Um, well, fair enough. You know, we're, we're, yeah,
3: we're not the only uh, Seagulls Over London members that where, where this applies to as well. Oh,
2: really? Are you outing someone on the airwaves? Feel free to do so if you want to. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure... If, um,
1: do they actually have season tickets at Chelsea or do they just have memberships?
3: Mm.
2: I don't know if we should be talking about it. Should we be talking about this? I don't know.
1: Um, <laughs> um, there, there, there is another couple that actually are, um, Chelsea supporters as well, um, mm. on Seagulls mm. Over London, but, um, I think um, I can
2: guess who that might be now yeah. <laughs> due to the fact <laughs> there's not that many couples on there. <laughs> there's only about three. So yeah. Um, I think hmm, the, interesting. the thing
1: is, the thing is though, of course, is, is that, um, uh, when we got together, um, we still went to our individual clubs. So in other words, mm-hmm. I would go to Chelsea and Kirsty would go to Brighton, um, over the, and over the course of, um, the years that we've been together, um, round about, uh, was it about ninety three, ninety four, 94 mm-hmm. or something, you started, I think, round about 93 or 94, Kirsty started coming with me to Chelsea. Didn't have season tickets as such in those days, but, of course, you could just pay on the gate, go in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as Kirsty mentioned... Um,
3: uh, it was when Dean, Dean Saunders was playing for the Villa, wasn't mm-hmm.
1: it? Yeah, yeah. mm mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yes, um, one of the first games Kirsty came to at Stamford Bridge was Chelsea versus Aston Villa and Dean Saunders, um, maybe you may have heard of um, uh, was playing for Aston Villa and he has been um, unwelcome with Chelsea fans let me put it like that, as as mildly (laughs) as I can put it um, because when Dean Saunders played for Liverpool, he took out one of the Chelsea players, Paul Elliott, and basically ended his career with a pretty horrendous tackle. Um, Paul Elliott sued him in court, um, but because of um, the the situation at the time, football being a contact sport, um, Dean Saunders probably rightly said he had no intention of ending his career, Um Elliot lost the case, um, but Saunders has not been welcome, uh, ever since, At uh, well with Chelsea fans anyway, um, Paul Elliot of course has gone on to do very good things with the, um, P- parts of the PFA and, um, um, the Football Association, um, but anyway, um, so of course every time Saunders got, got the ball, it was booze and, you know, words said to him and, um, I think eventually, um, obviously, Kirstie's Brighton affiliations were first kicking in, was sort of, well oh, leave them alone, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I think she came around to our point of view in the end. But, um, yeah, so we started going together as a, as, as a couple as such, around about 93, 94. Um, the strange thing was that... Um, for whatever reason, and I can't quite work out why, but Chelsea got to an FA Cup final with Manchester United. And for whatever reason, and again, I don't know why, but Kirsty could get a ticket for the final and I couldn't. Um, And I thought, well, hang on a second. Wait a second. I've been going to Chelsea (laughs) since 1965 and Kirsty has managed to get a ticket for the final. So... Um, did you sell she sell it gave, to you for a
2: grand, did she?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, she, uh, but, yeah, but perhaps I, I made a mistake by um, a- accepting Kirstie's um, ticket to go to the game. Um, my mu- Kirsty stayed at home, watched the game with my mum who's um, who was a staunch Man United fan at the time. Um, so, uh, well, she came from Ireland and George Best... Um, was her hero, uh, so fair enough, of course fair enough, fair he enough. played for Man U. So therefore, she was a Man U fan. But anyway, um, slightly digressing. But anyway, I I took Kirsty's ticket. Um, it was it was May. It was a cup final. Chelsea hadn't been to a cup final since I think it was about 1970. Um, it pissed down rain. Um, Chelsea got beat four um, nil. A certain um, a person in. Um, the refereeing uh, allegedly in a refereeing capacity called David Ellery um, gave Man United a number of decisions that were contentious. And I came home absolutely and utterly drenched. So um, it wasn't the best of times, but, um, uh, but conversely, um, if um, in the early days when we were together, um, Kirsty would go to Brighton, I would go to Chelsea. um, And when... Uh, the situation uh, occurred that um, Brighton were away from home, Um, if Chelsea were away from home on the same day, I used to travel to follow Chelsea home and away for quite a lot of the the, the years when I was growing up, when I was allowed to, when I was old enough to go, Um, wouldn't say sensible enough to go, but old enough to go. Um, And so um, we used to go on a coach organised by one of the lads. Um, and I brought Kirsty along with me to to some of the Chelsea away games. Um, I think you'd only mm. been to a couple of football grounds mm. before you met me. Mm. I think Old Trafford and was it Highbury and um, Crystal Palace? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a chance for Kirsty to actually go and see a few of these, these grounds. So she would mm. travel with me. Um, and so you know, got a number of football grounds in. Chelsea were playing at times at a higher level than Brighton, at times, not, not often, but at times. <laughs> um, 1983 was um, the first time I uh, remembered um, a Brighton-Chelsea game, the, the game that Kirsty says was the last time police horses were on the, the ground at the Goldston, um trying to keep Chelsea and Brighton fans uh, apart. Um, I was on the East Terrace that day with the Chelsea fans. Um, Honestly, Governor, I did not get on the uh, field. Um, At least there's no pictures of me on the field anyway, as far as I know. Um, But there was always the thing um, when Chelsea got to the um, Premier League, um, Brighton were arguably, I think even then, third division, um, lower reaches of the third division. Um, So, For me as a football fan, um, by the time we started to go to the odd Brighton away game, I'd been to all the the Premier League grounds, so I didn't need to go to any more. And it was a chance for me as a football fan to actually go and see grounds. Um, A Classic story for me anyway, was um, I'd always wanted to go to Carlisle because it was the longest journey away from London that I could think of at the time. Uh, I'd been to Newcastle, but Carlisle was slightly, slightly further. And me and my mate, Terry, who I used to or still go to football with, um, we decided we would go to Carlisle. So um, we decided to drive to Carlisle. Um, We drove all the way up to Carlisle, um, got to the first services in Cumbria and the car broke down. Um, (laughs) So um, he phoned the AA and they said, where are you? We're on on the M6. Whereabouts on the M6? Oh, we're at, uh, I'm not quite sure um, what services it was. Um, But they said, oh, so you're in the services, you're safe. Yes, we are. Um, Well, we'll get to you when we can. Anyway, we broke down about half past one, one o'clock. They got to us at five. So, of course, we never got to the game. Um, A player called Joey Jones, who you might remember from his... um, uh, Wales and Liverpool days. Made his debut yeah. for Ch- he made his debut yeah. for Chelsea that day. He got sent off. Chelsea lost. Um, we'd left London at about half past four in the morning to drive to Carlisle. We got back, um, having been towed back um, all the way by the AA. Um, we got back about half past four on Sunday morning. <laughs> so I'd never got to Carlisle. <laughs> so the very first time Brighton um. played at Carlisle which I think might even have been a pre-season game.
3: No, it was about the opening weekend. Oh, it was the the opening
1: weekend. weekend. I said, we're going to Carlisle. No matter what (laughs) happens, we're going (laughs) to Carlisle. So I've been to Carlisle now about three or four Mm -hmm. times, but only with Brighton, never with Chelsea. And a number of the games that we eventually went to when we we started going to Brighton away games um, meant that I could go to a lot of these grounds that I'd never been to with Chelsea. Um, yeah. And and it was great. Um, you know, it was it was really good. Kirsty mm. got a whole Had obviously done the Premier League pretty much by then, and was doing a load of uh, grounds, etc. Yeah.
3: Ever the romantic that he is, you know, Valentine's. He took he took me up to Cleethorpes to go and see Grimsby away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Cleethorks. just kind of like that,
2: you old softy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's great. That, that's brilliant, and it is a very unique situation, isn't it, to, to be in? But um, um, you know, we've got we've got this game coming up on, on Tuesday. Um, quick quiz: I don't know how many times you think the sides have met. Um, quick guess from both of you, uh, Tony: How many times do you reckon we've we've played each other in in competitive fixtures in our history? Quick random um, guess. Go on. Quick random guess: I wouldn't have thought it was that often. Um, mm, it's so not very often. I, yeah. No,
1: um, th- the first time I remember is it was like the eighty-three season, I think it was, um, mm. around about that time. And of course, obviously, since Brighton had uh, thankfully been in the Premier League, um, <clears throat> so that's what um, six, eight. Oh, I would have thought it can't be much more than double figures.
2: Yeah. And Um, and cursed. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'll I'll, I'll be Mm -hmm.
1: as vague as possible on that one. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: So we've already played how long game. I don't know,
2: fifteen. Okay, and Tony, have you you got a number for me?
3: I will. (sighs) Um,
1: I will go lower. I think maybe fourteen.
2: Oh, interesting. Well, do you know what, Kirsty? You are spot on. God. <laughs> exactly 15. You can't I You can't be why, that, can you, Tony? Yeah.
1: I wondered why she was on Google earlier on. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she might have checked this. We don't know, <laughs> do we now? We'll never know. No. Um, 1983, I- by the way, Chelsea, Chelsea did the double over us. Um, yeah, 15 times. We've only had one win, two draws, and there's been 12 defeats. And um, as I'm sure you know, a lot of those were all at Stamford Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, can I the wind... can I
1: just in, intercede ever so slightly? Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. Hmm. A number of these games we will actually have seen since Brighton obviously came into um, the Premier League, and um, arguably the the for me the two games at Stamford Bridge in in eighty three. But for for many many years, <clears throat> um, Kirsty obviously came to Stamford Bridge with me, and. Um, where we sit, which is the Matthew Harding Upper, we know everyone around us. And for a number of years, um, there was always the bit of what would happen if Brighton played Chelsea? You know, you know, because obviously they know Kirsty's a Brighton fan as well. And it was a case of it's never gonna happen. No, no, Brighton, <laughs> no, no, Brighton are never gonna play Chelsea. Chelsea are Premier League, Brighton mm. will never play play Chelsea again you know blah 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 maybe a cup time maybe a cup time then of course brilliantly Brighton got into mm-hmm. the Premier League so of course immediately the first question mm-hmm. I think first game of the season whatever it happened to be was so what you're gonna do then you know when when Brighton happened to, to mm-hmm. play and as it turns out um, we do sit together for the game at, or the games at the Amex. Um, and I did jump up when Ali J scored that overhead kick, um, you know, in, earlier on this season, sort of thing, you know, yes. sort of um, <laughs> um But when when Brighton come to Chelsea, Kirsty does go in the Brighton end, um, wow. so um, we <laughs> yeah. are sort of separated <laughs> for that game. Uh, yeah. um, but we do sit together at the Amex, and and actually, to be fair, I am pretty
2: much a Brighton supporter on that day. Hmm. I've noticed you've, you've used the word hour a lot when, when we've had conversations and mm-hmm. uh, in relation to the album, but uh, that's good to hear. When we, when we play the game on Tuesday, that's going to officially double the number of games uh, during this Premier League period. It's going to double the number of games we've had. So we would had eight in, historically until we got in the Prem uh, for this time round. And now we've obviously had eight over the four years after Tuesday. So um, our only victory over you was in the very first fixture between the sides. So we did have the edge. In, stopped at that uh, point, didn't we that <laughs> yeah. not We are talking 14th of January 1933. Uh, in ah, the FA Cup. remember
0: it well. <laughs> <laughs> the was of course. Well there, yeah, yeah.
2: A 2-1 <laughs> <you're telling laughs> win for anyone interested. And mm-hmm. we did draw the next game as well. So it took you the next couple of matches, which were in the 60s and 70s, to... to um to get the edge on us um so, of course so, chelsea, uh,
1: so chelsea didn't beat brighton for 40 odd years or 50 odd years or whatever it was
2: 44 years yeah
1: <laughs> 44 year
2: <laughs> unbeaten record that against must
1: it, be yeah. what well, yeah i was gonna say that must be one of the longest unbeaten runs in brighton history
2: <laughs> it probably is yeah yeah um but there we go um very, very quickly then, opinions on the Albion season and views on the game. Are you with the majority as, as proved on Twitter that think it's there's so. going to be an upset here?
3: <laughs> I'd like to think so, but I, well, depending on the Chelsea, Chelsea side that they put out and whether they're going to have any strikers um, um, I'd th- yeah, I think, you know, I think, I think the draw's on the off.
2: Yeah, I, I quite fancy the draw. I think we'll lose, but I, I kind of fancy the draw, though. I think it's it's doable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. OK, Tony, is it going to be a home win? It's likely, isn't it? Strikers or no strikers. Make some mounts. Some great players there. I think,
1: um, as I said on one of the Seagulls over London Zoom meetings um, about Brighton's season is the fact that, um, and I'm not tempting fate, I hope, here, um, but Brighton haven't been p- particularly, uh, they, as far as I, I remember, apart from maybe the Everton game or whatever away, um, they, they haven't really been outplayed by any of any of the teams um, this season. They played some really good football. Um,
2: away, the other Lester, sorry? Lester away, oh, Leicester. yes. Yeah. sorry. You're right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. That, I agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So I I don't expect Brighton to be particularly outplayed. Um, Chelsea, as you you alluded to earlier, have have obviously had to go to Seville, Um, will obviously play Manchester City and uh, then play Brighton. So um, over the course of seven days, they'll have done a reasonable amount of football and travelling. I think to a certain extent it does, as Kirsty says, um, depend on... The Chelsea team that Tuchel will put out Um, but I I actually think that Brighton um, this season um, have been very difficult to actually beat I know if you look at the statistics 12 defeats blah 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 but none of them apart from as Pete actually reminds me yeah the Leicester game um, was a a defeat that you just thought oh just awful you know um, that's why our goal difference is so good Mm, very much so yeah and and with uh as we we mentioned on one of the or more than once on the zoom calls um the bright brighton's defense has been pretty good pretty solid um mm. you know robert sanchez coming in has, has um uh made the defense look a lot more um at ease with themselves um a lot more confident that that Sanchez is behind them, um, that he's going to come and collect um, crosses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and in midfield, um, Lallana's now getting through ninety minutes on a regular basis. Um, Bissouma, as we all know, is is playing some great stuff. Um, it, it's strangely enough, uh, it's, it might be a tale of two attacking. Um, <laughs> Mm. forward lines. I mean, uh, we know all about Chelsea's Werner, th- th- who who actually has a number of assists, but doesn't actually get or hasn't scored that much lately. Mason Mount, as, as Russell quite rightly says, um, is having a great season. Um, but Chelsea's, th- th- I think the, um, was it the Palace game? brilliantly, the Palace game yeah. was the first time Chelsea had scored more than two. Um, yes, in, well yeah, on Chelsea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the Palace game was the first time Chelsea had scored more than two since Tuchel had arrived. Um, and I, I can't really see Chelsea scoring more than two in this game um, if two, they're going to score at all. Um, the problem I, I find for Brighton is um, how many are Brighton going to score? We, we've seen on numerous occasions the chances that have been made, um, the opportunities that have been there and just haven't been taken. And it could, could go down to the fact that there might be just the, the one opportunity for whichever side that, that will decide it. I, I, I yeah. think I'd, I'd almost go yeah. along with Kirsty and think that Brighton have a really good chance of a draw there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I completely like agree with you on the um, the thing about you're saying about the strike forces because I've watched quite a lot of Chelsea this year because I've got a mate who who's a Chelsea fan. And I've watched quite a lot of games with him on Zoom and he's watched Brighton games with me and I've been watching Chelsea and yeah, of all the top teams, you remind me obviously of much better quality Brighton, but actually very similar in a lot of ways. You know, keep possession quite nice and tidy, but actually you get to the final third and waste chances quite regularly and kind of there's not the striker to finish them off. I, I think mm-hmm. that's yeah, I. I I've seen a lot of similarities and a lot of kind of frustrations that we've we've both shared me and my friend about the fact that we're both quite slow in possession at times as well and don't break quickly when given the chance. And while Chelsea have yeah have been getting results under Tuchel, ironically the last two league games have been you know the, the antithesis in a way. Before that, it all been very much like get the result, get like win two one, win two nil, and be like do do the job. But obviously the last two league games have been pretty random you know obviously the West Brom one was a disaster and then Mm. it was a brilliant performance
1: yeah I think that that um I mean that I still think that the West and don't get me wrong West Brom were excellent on the day um and of course they they've shown it since in the 3-0 win um over was it the weekend it was Sunday? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah, Sunday. Um, I lose track of days. Every day's like Sunday yeah. these days. Uh, you it know, when it, maybe even actually I can't. It, it might have been Monday, Monday, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it might have been Monday. Um uh, since true. we haven't been going to football or going anywhere, every day just seems yeah. like a Sunday. Um but they they played exceptionally well these last two games. Um, yes, um Chelsea were down to 10 men, but they didn't play well anyway. Um I
0: no, it didn't sound like I I didn't see that one. It didn't sound like a great half hour, though, from what from what I heard.
2: No,
1: it it wasn't. Um,
3: you go about watching it.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, pretty much. Um, I think the thing is that um, if if Brighton um, can if Brighton can snatch a goal um, and then rely on um, the way they played at Manchester City, um, the way um they, they played it at Old Trafford as well. Um it, you know it took a long time for for Man U to break down Brighton in the end. Um in and fact I was
0: be, oh if hmm? the penalties given there as well for that on all that could easily be or or that or I don't think old Maguire doesn't fail well back. I think it's a goal so mm. back head again yeah. And Liverpool obviously we won there.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah I mean yeah the- one at Leeds as well. Um and and you know, some of the um a lot of the performances have been very, very good. And as I said, uh, on one of the Zoom meetings that um, recently, I haven't been in any way um, worried about Brighton's position in the table, because I I think they're just playing some good football, um, very positive football. um, And I just think that you know that they, they, they can go toe to toe with the likes of the big boys and you know certainly that they they'll have nothing to fear at Stamford bridge yeah, it feels a long time ago
0: like two years but the two years ago actually but it feels a lot longer ago that we went to Tottenham and basically didn't get out of our half all game mm. and sat back and eventually lost in the, like the 89th I minute mean, mm. it, it was
1: christian Eriksen, wasn't yeah. it
0: yeah, um, I remember that one, we yeah. We yeah. didn't get out of our half all game. We just, a ball match, we just sat in our half and defended and hoped to hold on to a draw. And it's like a completely different approach now. And, you know, we go to teams, you know, like Chelsea, like Manu and give it a go. And it's obviously got us a win at Liverpool this season. We were yeah very unlucky at Spurs. There were some dodgy decisions. there. Very unlucky at, at uh, United. Could have got something at City as well. You know, we were, we're in the game all the time. So
2: And at home to Chelsea as well. I was, yeah. I was a little bit unlucky in that game. Yeah,
0: at least yeah. so- I- James, had never, I think he'd ever scored before, had he? And then he suddenly, from 30 <laughs> yards, found the most ridiculous shot that was unstoppable, I think, in that one, straight
1: after we'd equalised. Did Difficult, you, um, yeah. d- just slightly off topic, but um, Ali Jay's goal against Chelsea um, was an overhead kick, a brilliant overhead kick. Oh, just yeah. <laughs> as a just as a, an aside, Ali J is Iranian, I do believe.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, the guy who scored for Porto against Chelsea on Tuesday night with an overhead kick was Iranian. So... <laughs> <laughs> if I, I imagine what? that uh, Ali J will get his five to ten minutes on on
0: uh, Tuesday to replicate that again. <laughs> <laughs> Customary five minutes, kind of. <laughs>
2: Right, well, I'm putting 10 grand on Ali Razor last <laughs> scorer in that match now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean the thing with the Palace game is I mean just I, I I do like to tune into the Palace podcast when they've lost as a bit of my 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 <clears> regular <throat> dose of Schadenfreude. I, I do like it. And they they're all moaning of course about Roy Hodgson, et cetera. Um, but they were saying that um they had um Eze was playing as a a, a temporary sort of a left wing back, I think, um, with uh, Van Artholt overlapping, and they said they left themselves really exposed on that side. And there was loads of diags going out to Hudson Odoi, and they really had a lot of joy down that and side. And Havertz played mm. like a
0: really good game, certainly a really good first mm. half on at uh, the weekend. He was the, mm. you know, I mean, Havertz, Havertz from what I've seen has been pretty much a disappointment for 80 million, mm. but uh, he looked really good on on the weekend. He looked pretty, you know, he had a really good game. And
2: yeah, I rate him as a player. He hasn't had a great season, but I, I do rate him as a player. And. Um, there's so many different potential damage causes, isn't there, in the Chelsea yeah. team, and that's where we've we just you can never quite know what's going to happen. No, even if they put Tammy we, Abraham out.
0: While you've had two games where before, while we've had none, two has like mm. changed the squad around so much since he's been there mm. that actually that might be where the advantage comes out for you guys. That even though you've had quite a few games recently, you know you kind of you can you can do that because you've you've you know, the squads moved around. No one's really played every game. He's, he's, you know, he's very much the kind of the new Ranieri sort of thing, isn't he? He kind of
1: barely keeps like makes like four or five changes a game every time. I think from what I can see.
2: Yeah. I think this is yeah.
1: this is the the thing with the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City, um, is the fact that the, the squad is so strong, um, and if um, if if, you, if one player is not on form, Tuchel is is quite happy to you know make the decision you're not playing, um, and bring in another player. Um, yeah, because you're it, not so reliant
0: on one player. Like, I mean, United, even though they are very good, still rely on Fernandes far too much. I mean, he is there. Without him, they'd be really struggling, where, or not struggling, but struggling comparatively, whereas there's no one really in Chelsea. I mean, City survived without De Bruyne
1: for like four or five weeks, and he's arguably the best player in the world at the moment. So, yeah, I, th- I think the thing with Fernandez is is the fact that um, if you took out his goals and assists, United would would be nowhere near um, third, uh, second place. Sorry, second place. Um, yeah. they, you're quite they right. right.
0: He signed as well, they were nowhere near that that position before he signed as well, and then he took mm. them pretty much single handedly up from. January onwards, and then after the restart into the top top three, didn't
2: he? Yeah, if it just took at my regular Man United ranting, if if you took the five (laughs) points they stole from us as well uh, away, that might help. (laughs) I think. (laughs) I
1: think the thing is, is that um, you know Chelsea have the strongest squad. Of course, they do, Um, but Brighton have a. Let me put it this way. Brighton have a settled squad in a lot of areas. Um, And given the fact that arguably um, Brighton's injuries are going to hurt Brighton a lot more than the likes of Chelsea's injuries. Um, So I thought when when we lost Lamptey that, you know, basically the whole of the right attacking um, side of Brighton was gone. Um, because he was just, you know, just such a, a a vibrant player. I mean, I remember seeing Tarek Lamptey play for Chelsea's uh, reserve team. And I first time I saw him, I thought, he's a bit short. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> how are they going to say sort of, oh, no, you're too short to be a footballer, son, you know, go off and do something else or whatever. But he was quick. He was very, very quick. Um, and... I was slightly disappointed um, at the time when when he left Chelsea. Um, I know he went to Brighton and I was very pleased that that Brighton got him. And I think I'd mentioned when asked about Lamptey, I I thought you're actually getting a pretty decent player here. Um, Sadly, of course, he got injured. um, But um, the settled squad that Brighton have, have got... They've managed to actually negate a lot of that. I thought Feltman's done exceptionally well uh, in in Mm -hmm. that position. Um, And so it's a case of, whilst a big loss for Brighton, uh, Tarek Lamptey, Brighton have actually coped very, very well. Adapted is a good word, yeah. Um, uh, They've adapted very, very well. Um, Especially when you initial the
0: March went out soon afterwards as well. You know, exactly. Equivalent, like a month or so, half, month and a half afterwards as well. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I can totally see why Chelsea went for Rhys James over Lamptey because he's that much stronger and bigger and physically, you know, that, that ridiculous penalty Palace got was because partly because of Lamptey's height. And yes, it should never have been given, but you can understand why Chelsea thought Rhys James is, you know, about six inches taller, I think, probably, or something like that. And he's bigger physically and he's not going to get... You know, but I mean, not that I don't think Lampy's brilliant, but I can see why they went for that, and they may also have had concern to someone so quick about his hamstrings as well. There's always a danger with you know someone, a player so who so relies on their pace, and you know that they might you know have hamstring issues and that side
1: of it, which hopefully won't become a long term thing, but you could yeah. Be. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the situation is that, of course, um, once you have hamstring issues, um, they could go at any time. Um, And you're always worried when the player starts a a very quick run or is chasing back. And as soon as you see them touch the back of their their leg, you think, oh, no, please, you know, no. Um, We are in a very lucky situation, as you
0: say. We've got Veltman. I mean, he's been... I know he must be one of the best value signings Albin's ever made. Oh,
1: definitely. Grand.
0: It's incredible, really. I mean, yeah, I mean... worked out that his contract thing was, like, coming up with his and persuaded him to sign. That definitely deserves that. I mean, there's a lot made of the kind of Licardius and Jahan Batches as well, too, and how much we we wasted on them. But if you look at people like Pascal Gross and and, and Boltman and that sort of thing, and how little we spent on them, you kind of look, well actually it balances out quite a lot. And if Basuma goes for the sort of money that he's talked about going for in the summer, that will give the um you know the the kind of um people like uh you know the kind of back from back from sea move like the the scouts or like that a kind of real boost because I mean the money they've made Albion in that sense would be huge. Yeah I, that, I think that... and he yeah could go for what, well, who knows what, but it would be, be mm. a lot bigger than that.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with Veltman is it was um like a number of Brighton signings, it was totally out of right field. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd seen Joel Veltman play for Ajax because they would played against Chelsea um, and they'd also, um, I'd seen them on, on television, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, to, to A, as you quite rightly say, prize him away from Ajax, he probably could have gone to a number of clubs around Europe if Ajax were, were looking to really just simply say, we want to go with like they often do that we want to go with a new young side sort of thing like they like like they tend to do each season um it was quite a coup um, as you say whoever either a identified that or b um, produced the 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 right words to to get Veltman to come was was absolutely worth his weight in gold um but there, yes, you could, you could argue a number of signings haven't worked, but that, that happens with loads of teams. Yeah. Well, that's kind um, of what it, and, it
0: balances and, out, you know, kind of, it's always, it just happens that ours that maybe haven't worked have been the more expensive ones, ironically, in the case of Liccardi or Jahanbach, that sort of thing. Whereas even Bernardo, you know, for that has probably not been value for money for the, 9 million I had at the time rumoured. Hmm. But then a lot of the kind of the smaller value ones, the ones who have gone under the radar a bit, have been the ones who've really done well, like Grosh, like Feltman.
1: Yeah, I mean Pascal Gross is just uh you know was a totally out of right field um yeah. signing and and look what he did. I mean he he was certainly first season he was he was absolutely excellent. I mean what record number of assists or whatever it happened to be um and the odd decent goal whatever. And um, I thought big, he had, white wing back. Mm, <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought I thought he had a bit of a dip last season I must admit and um for quite a while didn't seem to be able to get into um, the team um, He didn't seem but, to fit
0: the system for a while, did he? Mm, oh, mm. Yeah. Possibly,
1: yeah yeah. but this season again um, he's he's been back to creating quite a bit um, still, still doesn't really have an awful lot of pace, don't get me wrong <laughs> um, so but no, I don't th- I wouldn't I don't, really I don't think I'd hold like it. to change
0: anytime soon, <laughs> no, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but I think the my... thing I've always felt is if he had a turn of pace, he wouldn't be playing for Brighton. You know, mm. and that's always people complain about him being comment on him being slow. And it's like if he if you know he's so good at other things that if he, had, if he was quick, he wouldn't be here, he'd be mm. playing for top end Premier League or Bundesliga team or something. Well, you know? I,
2: I agree with you, but I would say Lanty's got a turn of pace and he's playing. For <laughs> Well, when he's not injured <laughs> with a hamstring. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, well, just, just, sorry, go on, yeah, Tony.
1: I was just going to say that um, the one um, signing that has, thankfully, now, now that he's fit, has been absolutely excellent recently is Adam Lalana. Um, hmm. You know, the man just exudes um, calmness on the ball. Um, you can give him the ball in any situation. I think it was mentioned on one of the Seagulls over London Zoom meetings. You can give him the ball in any situation and invariably he'll, he'll trap it he'll, and it, he'll pass it very, very quickly. Um, I think it may have been said on one of the um, uh, football punditry programmes that he just seems to be, has the ability to know who to pass it to and when to pass it to him, uh, to them. Um, I, th- I think he's been absolutely superb in midfield. Yeah, hmm. and I, I wonder
0: whether he and Welbeck will be given a break on um, Tuesday. So it's one of the things I'm, I'm deba- debating because Schiff United is obviously a huge game and potentially, obviously, on paper, a win at Schiffen United. I'm not demeaning Sheffield United, but on paper, a win there is a much more likely one than a win at Chelsea. So Especially as
2: um, Billy Sharp and um, Ollie McBurney are both out for the season now yeah. as well.
0: So you keep out those two, maybe. I, I I wonder if Webster and Bernal both be back in, had some extra height and some extra strength in defence, which then frees up Veltman to play wing-back and maybe Grosh to replace Lallana, possibly. And then you kind of mm. go back towards what you were having before at Sheff- Sheffield United. I don't know. And maybe they'll stick with the same team. But the, the two of them, especially given the problems they've had with injuries this season, maybe... You don't risk them in a game where you're probably going to lose anyway. The worst, in a way, is to go to Chelsea and if the same happened as it happened at United, we give a really good game but then lose and then you're left with only like four days to prepare for, for Sheffield United after that.
2: True, true. Well, just to round off then, guys, I'm, I'm, despite the fact I think we can get a creditable draw, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2-1 Chelsea, just to, uh, to avoid tempting fate, really. Um, Peter, what's your view on the game? Well, Have you got uh, a score?
0: To preface this, I'm three pints down, so I'm probably I'm going to go completely against my better judgment and my normal way of thinking and say we're going to nick it two one.
2: Nice, nice. Mm. Um, Kirsty's going for the draw, I think, unless you change your mind on that one, Kirsty. Yeah, um, yeah,
3: I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm going for the, going for the draw, but I think I think I think for the predict for predictor score, I'm going to go go with a Chelsea two to mm. sort of two, two one two one win because yeah. my form on that at the moment is. Um,
2: <laughs> and Tony you, so you, do you think it could be a draw are you, what, what's your actual I, prediction overall you...
1: yeah I, I think I'd go with Kirsty the, the fact that I, I can see Brighton easily getting a draw there um, especially if they continue playing the way they have been um, you know sort of going toe to toe with teams but I think yeah predict a score wise where I've also been not that great recently but I think I'd probably <laughs> go go with a Chelsea win, possibly
2: two um, one. Yeah. So along with me, yeah. Sort of putting your money where your mouth is. It's kind of still thinking probably Chelsea. Yeah, but a possibility of a draw. Yeah, we'll go with that. And I really hope you're right, Peter. And I hope it's not just. The I hope talking. I do.
0: But I'm talking genuinely about kind of yeah. It's against any sort of like common sense in my brain, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Yeah, if we're exactly. ready to go for Albion wins even if it's like
2: we're playing the bottom team so I'm going to go for an Albion win just for the fun of it just to be <laughs> Brilliant It's been a pleasure having you on Tony and Kirsty, it's been great we've had a, quite an extensive conversation this you'll probably be listening to in two parts actually because we, we've had quite a chat here but um, uh, thank you very much for having us on, uh, for, for having uh, the time to spend with us we've, we've had you on, not the other way around <laughs> okay. Um but it's been, uh, it's been great to uh, yeah, to have you with us. Um, really insightful, some interesting stories from the past and um, a rather unique position you're in there to both have both season tickets. Let's hope everyone's happy at the end of the season. That's all I can say, really.
3: Yeah, um, we'll both be so, shouting at the telly at the various players.
2: <laughs> exactly. And yeah, that's it. Just, um, d- just, just don't go violent with each other when it comes to the end of the <laughs> game. <laughs> can so, I just say so, it's uh,
1: been a pleasure from our point of uh, view as well.
2: Excellent. Oh, glad you've enjoyed it. Glad you've enjoyed it. So Kirsty and Tony, thank you very much. Peter, we're going to round off in the usual way, of course, classic style, by saying stand or fall.
0: Up the Albion.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?